you are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. Blake Lovell from Southeastern 14 will join us to break down the SEC tournament matchups. And we'll find out who has the best chance at pulling off an upset this week. Also, the SEC basketball postseason awards have been unveiled. We'll run through those with Blake. And some SEC football tidbits, including a change of date for the Missouri at Arkansas game this season. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. Get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch! Around the conference. Well, the football matchup between Missouri and Arkansas has been a pretty entertaining matchup over the last uh, couple of years, especially this past year. But the uh, showdown on the field this past year was really, really fun to watch. On Tuesday, the SEC announced this game will return to its national time slot as the 2021 matchup between the two programs has been moved from Saturday, November 27th to Friday, November 26th. And the game will be broadcast nationally by CBS. The next game in the series is set to take place in Fayetteville. It's the same window the game has been broadcast in recent years, aside from you know, the unusual COVID season after the creation of the battle line rivalry by the SEC. But Missouri and Arkansas back on Friday, November 26th on CBS. CBS crossing their fingers going, please bring us, please, please bring us what you guys had last year. Down to the minute, down to the wire. That's what we need from Mizzou, Arkansas, year in and year out. The uh, latest USA Today coaches poll is out in baseball, and the SEC is dominating the baseball rankings. There are only two undefeated teams ranked in the new poll, and uh, both of them come from the SEC. It's Arkansas holds firm at number one overall. South Carolina, they have reached the top ten as the Gamecocks are number eight following a 10-0 start to the season. The entire top five of the poll belongs to the nation's best conference this week. You got Arkansas, number one, Vanderbilt, number two, Ole Miss, number three, Mississippi State, number four, and Florida, number five. By next week, there could be 10 SEC teams ranked as Georgia is uh, the first team listed among the others receiving votes category. But uh, as I mentioned, you got South Carolina at eight, Tennessee coming in at number 14, and, uh, you know, look. The SEC, we knew coming into this year, was loaded with talent, but my goodness, let's just rank the whole conference. Everybody's worthy of a ranking this year. It's been uh, it's been fun to watch through the first couple weeks of SEC uh, baseball so far. Back over on the gridiron in recruiting news, a five-star Alabama running back by the name of Emmanuel Henderson. He has set his upcoming commitment date. He's the top running back from the state of Alabama by this weekend. He will make his decision public. That's according to Henderson's head coach at Geneva County High School, Coach Jim Bob Striplin, which, by the way, there's no better Southern coach name than Jim Bob Striplin. But uh, Emmanuel Henderson is going to announce his commitment on this Saturday at 1 p.m. Central. He told uh, the coach told 24-7 Sports. He said, I think it's down, down the stretch. It's really been Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, LSU, and maybe Georgia. He's a native of Hartford, Alabama. He's six foot one, a 185 pound 
running back rate is the number two back in the nation, the number two prospect from the state of Alabama, and number 28 overall in the country for 2022. Look, this feels like it's Alabama's to lose, right? So we'll see what happens uh, this weekend as Emmanuel Henderson makes his announcement. Uh, over at AM for the third year in a row, they've landed the number one prospect in the state of Arkansas. Drayden Norwood was the top prospect from Arkansas in the 2021 class. Chris Morris in the 2020 class, and both those guys signed with the Aggies this time. It is a four-star receiver and track star Isaiah Sategna, I think is how you say it. He's committed to Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M program. Picked the Aggies over Arkansas, Oklahoma State, among others. And if losing the state's top prospect wasn't bad enough, Sategna is from Fayetteville, and his dad, Mario, is a member of the Razorback track and field team. His mom ran track for LSU and advanced all the way to the 1992 Olympics. He's 5'11", 170 pounds, caught 76 passes for over 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns combined during his sophomore junior seasons at Fayetteville High School. He's rated as the number one overall prospect from the state of Arkansas, the number 36 receiver in the country in 2022. So come on, Sam Pittman. What are you doing there? Don't let Jimbo keep coming in there and stealing recruits right from under your nose. Former uh, Tennessee running back or Tennessee Volunteers commitment running back Cody Brown. He's a four-star back in the class of 2021. Originally signed with the Vols prior to Jeremy Pruitt being fired. He then asked the school to release him from his letter of intent and entered the transfer portal. On Monday evening, he chose his new school. He announced he is heading to Miami. So there's an, a Vol who, at least uh, a former Vol who's not heading to Oklahoma following a bunch of those guys and you know, not heading to uh, Auburn like the linebacker did that they signed. But uh, Cody Brown, the running back, four-star back going to the U, Miami, uh, after being released from his Tennessee letter of commitment. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks announced late on Monday night that they are parting, were parting ways with Les Miles, of course, the former LSU head coach who was named in a Hush Blackwell report dating back to his time in Baton Rouge in 2013. Now, after two seasons at Kansas, Kansas, he is no longer the coach in Lawrence. On Tuesday, Kansas released its settlement agreement with Les Miles and revealed that Les will receive nearly $2 million in buyout money via his settlement agreement. He originally had about $8 million left on his contract at Kansas. That runs through 2023, but Les Miles getting paid. And in a recent column for Pete Thamel at Yahoo Sports, Texas A&M defensive coordinator Mike Elko is listed as a potential candidate for the open position at Kansas. That would be a tough task for Elko's 44. He has um, obviously looked the part and looked really good as the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M, but I don't know if uh, I don't know if he's going to be jumping ship for that Kansas job just because that feels like look whoever takes on that job, you're dead man walking. It's really really tough to win at Kansas just with a where that program is and it's tough to recruit uh one other note uh, alabama announced a couple days ago they're hiring dave huxtable as an analyst he was nc state's defensive coordinator from 2013 to 2019 he's also been a dc at the likes of north carolina ucf georgia tech so get another uh, acc assistant coming over as an analyst for the alabama crimson tide and there you go that is the latest around the conference. When we return, we're going to talk all things SEC basketball with our guy Blake Lovell. We'll get his thoughts on the first couple of rounds of the SEC tournament next.
hey, this tournament season, take care of your baskets and balls with the best tools for the job. We are talking about our sponsor, Manscaped, the global leaders in male grooming from head to toe. When the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset with the Manscaped performance package to give all your hair and holes Keep them tamed. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today with 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNCAA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-C-A-A for our exclusive offer. Look, nose hair is not something we like to brag about. Ear hair is even worse. Go to manscaped.com right now. Every purchase there goes towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society. And best of all, you get 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LOCKEDONNCAA at manscaped.com. It's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code LOCKEDONNCAA. And remember, when things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. We've been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now, and Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all their bars. Well, now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best in conjunction with tournament time going on. It is Built Bar Madness, and today's matchup, they got two really good ones. It is German chocolate versus salted caramel. And then Mocha Love versus White Chocolate Birthday Cake. I'm just telling you right now, if I had to choose one, I'm probably going Salted Caramel in the first one, and I'm probably going Mocha Love in the second one. You do you. You choose who you want. Go to BuiltBar.com right now or go to uh, Built Bar on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 when you uh, find something you want at BuiltBar.com and you want to check out, use that promo code to get 20% off your order. That is locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back over the coming days and weeks to see who won the matchup at BuiltBar.com and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. Hey, we're covering everything you need to know about the SEC, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there with Locked On Today, hosted by Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Real excited to talk with this guy. Uh, We just had him on a couple weeks ago talking all things SEC basketball, and he's my go-to source for all things SEC basketball and no better week than this week with the SEC tournament starting up. And, of course, a lot of the postseason awards handed out as well. Blake Lovell, he is on Twitter, at TheBlakeLovell. And you can check him out at southeastern14.com where he's got a ton of content up, podcasts, and everything else. Blake, what's going on, man? What's up, Chris? Thanks for having me back, man. Absolutely. I want to start with, uh, I, I know your podcast you just dropped this week up at the website, southeastern14.com. You caught up with uh, Ole Miss head coach Kermit Davis. What did he have to say about uh, his team and heading into the SEC tournament? Yeah, I think he, he made it pretty clear. You know, they're not really dancing around the situation they're in. I mean, they know they need to win, you know, probably a couple games to get to the NCAA tournament there. They're right there on that line. I've seen some people that have had them in. Uh, I've seen some people still have them, you know, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh team out. Uh, so I think they, they're going in knowing that, 
hey, the players know what the situation is. You don't have to dance around this stuff. Um, you know, it's a social media area. Everyone sees it. Um, so I think that's it. You know, they know they've got to beat South Carolina. They probably have to beat LSU. Um, I think if they don't beat LSU, they would just need a lot of help probably elsewhere to get in. But um, that's the situation uh, for Kermit Davis and his team. And, yeah, I mean, they're one of the best defensive teams in the SEC. So it would be interesting to see uh, how they match up against South Carolina in a, you know, a high-powered offensive team like LSU. The uh, SEC just handed out their uh, postseason awards yesterday. And, I, you know, look, some surprises, I guess, some people upset that some of their players uh, didn't win awards. But let's start first with Coach of the Year. I, I think this was kind of given. I don't think there was much debate for this one, but Nate Oates at Alabama absolutely deserved uh, SEC Coach of the Year, right? Yeah, easy choice. I mean, I, again, you know, I, you could vote. I would love to have voted Musk and, and Nate Oates, but. You know what? I mean, Alabama went sixteen and two, and it's like they've got to, in that situation a team that was not projected in whatever. I don't even remember where Alabama was picked, but they weren't picked in the, the top four, I think, in the SEC. So uh, for them to do what they did, um, NATO it's the, the obvious choice. But I can understand why some people, you know, some people are like, well, Mush should deserve. He should get it. Well, hey, Arkansas finished with eleven straight wins in the SEC. Alabama started with ten straight in the SEC. Um, so uh, impressive, anyway. You slice it. I was a little surprised when I saw Herbert Jones uh, named SEC Player of the Year. I mean, look, I don't want to take anything away from him, but typically a guy, let's just be honest, it's typically like the high-scoring guys or, you know, the big star player of the of the conference, maybe not so much a defensive guy who averages, you know, 10 and 6. Uh, how surprised are you that Herbert Jones was named SEC Player of the Year? Well, I guess I'm not too surprised because I was the one pushing him so to be the <laughs> player of the year because I thought that, you know, it, it's funny because he came into Alabama and we kind of labeled him as the, you know, the, the glue guy, not just of Alabama, but he was like the glue guy of the SEC where, like you said, I mean, he didn't really, he didn't score a lot, um, a defensive-minded guy that, you know, just goes out and grabs a lot of rebounds and, uh, you know, can block shots and can dish out some assists and, and that kind of stuff. He was never really an elite offensive player. Now, he's probably still not an elite offensive player, but I think his offensive game improved to the point this year when he was healthy, and I think we have to keep that in mind, too. You know, for the coaches, and I think, you know, the AP voted him, too, but I think when healthy, which he, he was and playing injured probably the last, I don't know, four, five, six games, um, his offensive numbers went down a bit. But I still think, you know, like you said, it's, it's unusual for people to not lean on just the offensive stats because I think in that scenario, um, you know, Cam Thomas from, from LSU or Moses Moody probably would have gotten a nod, uh, which I know the AP uh, voting was much closer. Herbert Jones got, I think he got five votes, um, whereas Moody got four votes. So it was pretty close in the AP race. But um, I think any way you, you look at it, he, Jones is probably the most complete player still to me, just in terms of the value, because I think some of the things he does does not show up on the stat sheet. And I think it's one where, you know, for the coaches to vote him, probably a lot of that had to do with the eye test, too, of just being like, you know, this guy may be the most impactful player in our conference, which, again, is not always just from an offensive standpoint. So I think he could have went wrong with Jones or Moses Moody or uh, potentially Cam Thomas with how strong of a finish he had. Uh, three, three, three good choices, anyway you look at it. Yeah, it's funny. I was just running through some of the guys who've won it in years past, and, you know, it's 
John Wall, Anthony Davis, Bobby Portis, Tyler Eulis. I mean, it's like guys that you think, all right, that guy was the face of the SEC this year. And I guess maybe that speaks to how good the SEC was this year, that there were multiple guys that could have been considered for the award. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes, too, I think we usually see it like the best player on the best team is always going to get a bump, too, Um, no matter whether, you know, his stats are just completely off the charts or not. Um, I think when you're the best player on the best team, you're going to be in that discussion no matter what. Um, and again, I think that that helped Herbert Jones just in that for probably instance, just because you know Alabama did finish the way they did. They go 16 and two in the league, so I think that that certainly helped as well. And that's what's been so fun about this Alabama team. It's like on any given night, it could be it could be Shackelford, it could be Petty, like any one of those guys could be the points leader and, you know, dropping dimes and all this. And so it, it, they are just so fun to watch because it can be any guy on any given night. But uh, Jones was that consistent all year. Any surprise with the other uh, guys? Obviously, Moses Moody at Arkansas Freshman of the Year. Uh, I think we all expected that. Herbert Jones, of course, Defensive Player of the Year. But any surprise with the other awards that were handed out? Not really. I mean, I think overall, you know, I just think that it kind of, when the SEC in general, I, I always say it, but like, I hate how they do it now to where it's, you know, on the all SEC first team, you got eight, the all SEC second team, you got eight. So you're picking basically three teams and two teams. And, um, I think at that point, you know, you do a pretty good job of probably fitting in 16 players and it's hard to argue, um, really with some of the ones maybe that were left out. I think guys like, you know, Justin Smith at Arkansas, he, he played pretty well for them. I think he could have had a spot on there just on the coaches' uh, picks and, and maybe someone like Iverson Molinar at Mississippi State, but you probably could have flipped a coin between Molinar and, and DJ Stewart, guys like that. So I can't say I'm completely uh, surprised by any of those. Um, you know, I'm just, again, when you pick so many players, uh, if you just picked five, I think the debate would be a lot bigger just in terms of, you know, deciding on who should be where maybe. But uh, when each team has eight now, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of say, well, uh, yeah, I could see that guy being in the top 16 players in the league. So uh, that that's kind of where it's at, I think, at this point. Yeah, the first team All-SEC included Herbert Jones, John Petty from Alabama, Moses Moody at Arkansas, uh, Trey Mann at Florida, Cam Thomas, LSU, Devontae Shuler, Ole Miss, Drew Smith at Mizzou, and Scotty Pippen Jr. at Vandy. Basically all the guys we talk about on a daily basis here on the podcast who've been filling it up all year for their teams across the SEC. The uh, the all-freshman team, I mean, obviously, look, Moody's there, Sharif Cooper at Auburn, albeit small sample size, uh, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, Tennessee, Cam Thomas at LSU. Any of those guys, and this sounds silly, but this is where we are in the, this day and age of college, college basketball, of that grouping, who do we expect back next year? That's, that's a good point. I was just thinking about that when you said that. Well, that's the all-freshman team, and uh, it's going to be the all-exit team. Because, um, I think that the majority of those guys are probably leaving. Um, that's, that's the way I would look at it right now. I mean, you know, it'll be interesting because I think this off-season is going to be interesting anyway, um, just in terms of, like we say, that you would assume the NBA draft process is going to be somewhat closer back to normal. Um, I don't know if it'll be completely back to normal, but I think you'll probably see a little bit more uh, opportunity there this year and so i think i mean the thing is is a lot of those guys you mentioned are probably going to be considered you know potential first round picks uh, early second round type picks you know but maybe not everyone but um i think that some of those guys you know that that's what we always say and coaches say it all the time you know if you're a guy that's going to be projected in the first round and you feel really good about that um then why we're not going to sit here and try to convince you to come back because you know, you need to go take care of yourself and get the money now while it's there. 
Um, you know, because contracts are so different when you're first round pick or second round pick, it's, it's a big difference. So um, I think a lot of those guys are going to have opportunities. And, and look, if, if one or two of those guys do wind up coming back, um, I just think it, you know, <laughs> they're going to have a chance to improve their stock probably even more uh, based on having another great season next year. One of the craziest things I saw you tweeted it out, Kentucky did not have a player on the first team or, or second team All-SEC, which might be, I mean, that's got to be the first time this has happened under John Calipari since he's been there, right? Well, we were trying to look this up earlier, and, and I want to say you have to go all the way back to, I don't even remember what year it was we figured out. I think it was 89, maybe. Um, I want to say it's been since then. I could be wrong. I may have missed one somewhere in there, but. Like when you think about it, though, like that probably is about right because even that NIT team, you know, the Cal had whatever seven or eight years ago. Um, I think they, they had still a couple guys on all SEC uh, teams, and then yeah, it's it was funny, man. Just uh, and whether you think about it, right? It's not just Kentucky. Kentucky and Tennessee were the overwhelming top two favorites in the SEC this year. Neither one of them had a guy on the top two, you know, all SEC teams out of sixteen players, and. Um, that's that's just wild to think about. And I know Tennessee had guys, you know, defensive team and freshman team and that, but um, it's it's interesting to think kind of how the season unfolded for both those teams, given really how high we were on most of them entering the season. Yeah, I think Nerlens Noel was was on that NIT team that that still, I mean, underachieved, yeah. but they were still pretty darn good. More with Blake Lovell right after this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We know that uh, the college basketball tournament is right around the corner. We got the SEC tournament taking place starting tonight, and betonline.ag has got you covered with all of the action. You want to bet on AM Vandy tonight? You can do that. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Just head to their website right now, betonline.ag, and use our promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N, and uh, you will get a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. That is betonline.ag. Head there right now. You can do so on your mobile device, your tablet, your laptop, whatever. Sign up today. Use our promo code Locked On. Get fifty percent. Uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, heck, Moses Moody, whoever else you want to throw in there. How much do you really know about all the potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you can subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft, the podcast. They've got prospects, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of March Madness several days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Uh, continuing our conversation with Blake Lovell. Uh, Blake, I want to get into just your thoughts on some of the matchups that we know were going to happen. Obviously, the higher seeds, we don't know who they're going to play on Friday. But we'll start with the game happening uh, tonight on SEC Network. Uh, obviously, no 14 seed because Auburn is out. But uh, we get 12 seed and 13 seed uh, Texas A&M against Vandy. I keep going back and forth on this, man. I saw Bet Online. They've got Vandy as a one-point favorite. But is it like as much of a pick'em in your mind as it is mine? Well, you said that's exactly what I told someone when I was talking about that game. Was I think it's just a toss-up. I don't know how you could possibly decide who has the advantage in that game. You got an A and M team who was off for a month, um, has looked pretty good in these last two games they played. I mean, they lost both of them, but they look really good against Arkansas, and they probably win that game. 
if Moses Moody doesn't hit that shot with like 50 seconds left. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that's that's who you look at AM. I mean, look at Vanderbilt. It's like, well, Vanderbilt beat Ole Miss um, a week or over a week ago now uh, without their two best players, and they turned around and lost at Ole Miss uh, with Scotty Pippen back and really had one of the just worst stretches of offense. But I think a, a lot of that had to do with Ole Miss just turning up on defense. Um, so I have no idea what to expect in this game. I feel like we always say that with the, the Wednesday night games. Um, but, th- I mean, this is, this is like, you can just throw up a coin and whichever side it lands on, go with that team. Because I just don't think either one of these two teams have enough sort of um, a sample size. Even Vanderbilt, like, as many games they played, um, I still don't know that we know a whole lot about kind of what their, their mentality is going to be or what you're going to get out of them. They've gotten better. Uh, I would probably still lean towards Vanderbilt. Just because of that, even without Dylan the Sioux. Uh, but uh, I mean, like I said, A and M, Emmanuel Miller, uh, they really played well at Arkansas, so they're 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 just excited to be back on the floor. I think at this point. Yeah, it's funny. It's uh, like as as much as we look at those two teams and go, ah, well, I mean, they're two of the worst teams. Watch that game come like down to the wire, thrilling, yeah. exciting game. Uh, will be fun to watch that one tonight. All right, on tomorrow's games, we start off at 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern. Mississippi State versus Kentucky. Uh, look, we know Kentucky's played much better basketball the last couple of weeks. Still had a couple losses, but they've played much better. Um, you know, maybe their chemistry gelling a little bit more. And Mississippi State's just been this up and down team, man. It's like one day they look good, one day they don't. Can't really get a good read on them. Yeah, I have a hard time trusting Mississippi State. Um, I know you can say the same about Kentucky this year with their record, but I do think Kentucky's playing better at this point. Um, but so I. I and, and I think, too, I mean, it's not going to be 10,000-plus here in Nashville like it usually is, but um, I have a feeling a lot of people in the crowd will still be wearing blue for that game. Um, so I think that, that gives Kentucky a little bit of a bump. And you know what? This is When you think about it, this is essentially a restart for Kentucky. I think this is something like now they just sort of get to start over um, and have never really been in this position for a long time where they're coming in as one of the underdogs, like in this tournament. Um, I almost think for a team like this, that's actually a perfect spot for them. Um, so I think if Kentucky comes out and you see them win this game, not necessarily convincingly, I don't think they're going to come out and win by 20 or anything, but if you see them come out sort of with that different edge and uh, maybe different approach than we've seen from them, uh, it's maybe just in, even really in some of these games down the stretch they've had that. Uh, I think if I'm Alabama, um, I, I'm probably not feeling great because I just think you want to just probably try to find a way to stay away from Kentucky uh, because if they do get off to a good start, I mean, just historically, even as bad as they are this year, historically this team has just dominated this tournament. Um, so I'm very curious to see how they come out and play in that one. The afternoon game Thursday, uh, Florida will obviously take on the winner of the uh, the Vandy uh, uh, the, the, the game tonight. But look, let's just say whoever plays Florida, like Florida better win that game, right? Yeah, Florida should win. Again, they should have Trey Man back. I don't even play against Florida City because of migraine. But, um, yeah, I think Florida's just a better team. And, I mean, I don't know. We've seen that Wednesday night. We've seen a Wednesday night team, you know, reel off a couple wins before. I think if they're, if it's, I don't know, like we said, with Vandy and Texas A&M, I can't say I'd be shocked if that happened uh, because I don't think Florida's just this overpowering offensive team where sometimes it's a bit of a grind for the Gators, but, uh, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna make your best, I think uh, Florida's the choice there. 
the the nightcap uh, we get Missouri against Georgia six o'clock Central seven Eastern. Um, you know Georgia's been a team that at times they they've looked good and other times not. But man, Missouri, like come on, what happened to that Missouri team we saw the first half of the season where they were rocking and rolling and they've kind of stubbed their toe here recently. But again, this one feels like higher seed should win. Missouri better get their crap together when they get ready for the tournament here. Yeah, I was really high on Missouri, and, and like you said, they just kind of not played to the level that they did uh, a while back. And, and this is a sneaky game because, you know, we've seen Georgia put up points, and I know they they struggled you know, with some of their games and obviously didn't have a great finish. But at the same time, like, you know, Severe Wheeler and, and guys like that, Katie Johnson, like they're Georgia's a capable team. And so I think Missouri doesn't come out here ready uh, to go. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Georgia win that game. Um, I think that's kind of a popular upset pick for a lot of people, but I don't know. If Missouri plays like they should, they should be able to use their defense to kind of control what Georgia does and make it hard on them offensively. So, yeah, Missouri's the pick, but, I mean, like I said, I, I can't say I'd be shocked at Georgia because they've been one that's really sort of been hard to figure out, kind of like a Mississippi State type. All right, I like it. That's our upset uh, special. Uh, you you kind of touched on it already with your, your conversation with Kermit, but South Carolina gets Ole Miss. Uh, again, a game where Ole Miss has been red hot as of late, right? I think one seven of nine or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, seven of nine. And, I mean, you know, South Carolina's just been the opposite. Like, they just, I mean, really, outside of the games against Georgia, which for whatever reason, South Carolina's his own Georgia, um, South Carolina's, I mean, they've gotten blown out. I mean, really, I'd have to look back at it, but I think it's like their last four games or something have been decided by, like, double digits. Um, they just haven't played well at all. And so I don't know how you could trust South Carolina in that spot against one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, that's that's one that, you know, given the history, like you always think about Frank Martin's teams, you're like, well, they're probably going to find a way to make some noise. I just don't have that same feeling with this team um, because they had that long pause from December to January, and I just don't think they've ever kind of gotten back on track. So I, this is the one I actually feel the most confident about in terms of these probably opening round matchups uh, because I think Ole Miss is just a better team. We don't know who's going to play the top four seeds on Friday yet, Blake, but of the four, LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, and Arkansas, if you had the least amount of confidence in one of those teams to advance, who would it be? Um, boy, that's a good question. I would probably say it would, you know, it's probably the easy choice, but I think it's Tennessee, which is crazy to think because I was the one pushing Tennessee uh, so much in the preseason and, and thought they could be a Final Four team. But I just don't, I don't know. I just, I mean, they probably actually have a nice matchup if they do have to play Florida in that or Vanderbilt. You would think that that's probably actually a better matchup for Tennessee than maybe Missouri and Arkansas or Ole Miss, LSU, or um, again Alabama, Kentucky. Um, so I think though Tennessee, I just don't, I just don't trust them at this point. I don't trust that they're going to be able to find enough offense, especially in a neutral setting, um, to be able to to win some of these games. Now, still, you know, like I said, it is about matchups, and I don't hate the matchup of Florida. Um, so that's one of the things. But but I think I just have so much more confidence in those other three in Alabama, Arkansas, and yes, even LSU, which I know is surprising, but I've said it so many times at this point. Um, people laugh at me sometimes, but. I just, you know, one through four, LSU is, is as good as it gets in the right. SEC, I think, just in terms of those four guys. But, you know, when it comes to defense, they're not. And I'm just very curious to see what LSU team shows up. I think their side of the bracket is actually more favorable for them in terms of the matchups they're going to have. Um, I just think their offense could overpower a team like Ole Miss, who's not great offensively. 
And then, you know, if you get in a high-scoring type game with Arkansas, LSU can win those types of games. Uh, but they're going to have to play good enough defense, I think, to get to that point. Uh, so, yeah, I think I would probably still go to Tennessee, believe it or not, in that stretch. Yeah, and LSU riding high off of that road win at, at Missouri. Maybe that's given a little confidence moving forward. Uh, Blake Level, the website, southeastern14.com. Uh, let our listeners know what you got up there this week. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. As always, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of coverage of course at the SEC tournament uh, here in Nashville, and uh, it should be interesting to see kind of how things shake out. But you can check that out over at uh, southeastern14.com. And like you said, we got the daily podcast. Uh, the 14, uh, which you can check out as well on any podcast app you use. It's going to be weird, too, with fans there, but not a lot. So it's going to be like, who brings <laughs> yeah. who brings the noise as far as the fan bases, you know? Well, it's crazy because I guess they did whatever the system they used to say to, you know, evenly separate the tickets and, um, you know, give a certain amount to all these places. But I'm telling you right now, there, there's going to be nothing but blue in there probably. Uh, <laughs> they're going to find a way to get the tickets. I don't know how. But uh, 3,400 probably Kentucky fans, and uh, that, that'll that be that. So Yeah, and watch Kentucky go on and win this whole thing. I wouldn't be surprised. Blake Lovell, southeastern14.com. Blake, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right, there you go. That's Blake Lovell of uh, southeastern14.com. And, of course, uh, used to host Locked on SEC, does a great job, and uh, always appreciate catching his perspective on all things SEC basketball is. Man, it's uh, crazy to think that this season has come and gone already, and we're already um, into the SEC tournament. And by this weekend, Sunday, we will be getting the full bracket announced on who's heading up to Indianapolis, playing in the NCAA tournament there. I'm hoping I'm hoping the SEC has a fair showing. I think six teams is a little too much to hope for, but four, maybe five, if you get lucky. Again, if Kentucky runs the table, wins the whole thing, they get in. But um, now this, uh, I, I think from Alabama, they're in Arkansas, LSU. See what other teams absolutely punch their ticket. I mean, I think I think Tennessee's got to win at least one game, right? And we'll see what uh, Joe Lunardi and some of the experts have throughout the week for the uh, bracketology. That's going to do it for me, Chris Gordy. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll get a perspective on Arkansas having their pro day. Find out uh, some takeaways from that today, how Felipe Franks and Rakeem Boyd and some of the other guys look. We'll have that for you tomorrow on the podcast. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Enjoy that start of the SEC tournament tonight. Texas A&M versus Vandy. And betonline.ag, that's where you need to go to make your bets for the game tonight. Talk to you guys tomorrow.